if you prepare correctly, and I don't care if it's business, I don't care if it's open, whatever it is, but if you prepare correctly, um, chance favors your prepared, prepared mind. Mm-hmm. It's not where the more you work, the wealthier you are. It's mm-hmm. the smarter you work now. Mm-hmm. But it's still the same as the people that will perk up and notice, the people that can and will help you. If they see you're trying, they'll step up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons I'm so big on kids in agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, te- teach them to take care of something. And the thing you may teach them to take care of the most is themselves. So, everyone, we're here at the Wealthy Cowboy Show again. Um, I'm Crockett Carruthers, the host, and I want to shout out to Taylor, the producer, and we're at this badass studio in Crowley. Uh, if y'all want to start a podcast or need some, some media or anything like that, they're uh, definitely an awesome resource to have. And I've got Chick Will Fong here. Y'all know him. Uh, if you're like me, you knew him from roping and rodeoing and double mugging and stuff like that before he got real famous. But he's real famous on all the social media platforms from telling jokes and just putting himself out there. But uh, Chick, how's it going? Man, it's going good. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> Getting to do things like I want to do them, and that's 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 important. I think you know the peace of mind. Um, social media is just like it's always been. You stick your neck out there, and and you're going to have X percentage of people that are haters, and X percentage percentage of people that appreciate the fact that you are sticking your neck out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think all you can do is be real. Yeah, and, and you're going to get a percentage that like you, and a percentage that don't. I mean, the most. Yeah popular people you know the presidents or whatever are only going to get 50 some percent of the approval absolutely absolutely so you're always going to have that negative but you're also going to have the positive i think that 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 having the negative is important and i'll tell you why when i first started a pretty pretty popular entertainer told me he said you know you've got to quit telling what you believe in and standing up for it and i said what do you mean he said well when you do that, you alienate half the people that don't believe in what you believe in. Well, who are you if you don't stand up for what you believe in? And and that's the way I was raised. I was raised with people that were vocal and and you know there was two things you could quit work for, and that's to go to rodeo or to fight. You know, it didn't matter. <laughs> but but you stood your ground and you stood up for what you believed in. And and if it costs me half the people I could have, well, shoot, there's more fans and friends and followers out there than I can take care of now. So I'm just happy to get to do it with with like-minded people. Yeah. You are the only person I know that knows Pancho Villa. So <laughs> did is, that's where it all started, right? Did yeah. you have anything going before that? Or Well, you know, if you go back a little ways, um, when I was in college, um, it's actually it's, this started because my mother was thinking that she could help me with my nerves at those rodeos. And in high school, I'd always sang some, so she started me singing the national anthem at all the high school rodeos. Then from there, we went on, and in college, I went to the, the Star Search qualifiers, and I won the state of Texas, got to go to the, to the big deal at, at Vegas, hmm. uh, where I promptly got my butt kicked. But um, it, it started a pattern of something that has been very, very valuable to me, and it's the fact that I'm never afraid to embarrass myself. You know, I mean, there's this just not there. Yeah. And um, 
I had told those old jokes. I mean, uh, what do we call it? Rodeo bullshit. You know, we we told those jokes for years, and I was always kind of a class clown. And a lot of times it had something to do with drinking. But (laughs) um, my sister at Angelo that year, she said, look, said, I want you to tell those two jokes that we always ask you to tell. And they would do it. You know, you remember going there and how when Breck Dodd and Wayne and them would get Mm -hmm. there, we'd all – Go watch the calf rope and go to the Western Skies and eat. Go to the dance. Next day's the mugging, and we all, it was a tradition. We all mm-hmm. did that. And she said, tonight, when we're in the parking lot before we go to the dance, and they all want you to tell those jokes, says, I'm going to film it. And she did, and I never thought much of it. And then the day or two later, my, my sister's in advertising. She said, uh, why don't you just put those on social media? And I said, oh, that's so st-. And it just exploded. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been hacked three or four times and had all my pages stolen and that joke comes back and it goes viral again every time and yeah. that that's that's been a basis for where you start and and i guess i could be honest like a lot of people are and say it's just dumb luck you know you you, you have something that you can you can do that that makes people take notice and then here comes the social media craze and then you're building your marketing behind it. You're building, you know, a store behind it. You're building uh, your your meta stuff. Your, you know, all your payments that you're getting on social media. And it, it it's it's pretty hard to make it as a cowboy mm-hmm. without some mailbox money of some kind. Oh yeah. And you know that that they they always said the best way to ranch is with a hundred good pumping oil wells. <laughs> yeah, they, the cattle do a lot better under the shade of those oil wells. They sure do. They sure do. So you've got, uh, I looked at it before, um, 88,000 followers on TikTok, 22,000 on Instagram, uh, 72,000 on YouTube, and 18,000 on Facebook. So that's got to present some opportunities it for does. you in your and, life. And like on, on Facebook, I've got three pages, and every one of those pages is doing that or a little better. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've had way more than that at times. Um like I said, those people that that come in and they hack at you usually around a hundred thousand followers. You better get ready because they're going to come at you. And mm-hmm. it, it can be anything, you know. It can be some sort of of innocent little message on Messenger, and you open it up and poof, it's gone. Yeah. And while it's becoming more and more available, I mean, look look at this studio. I mean, this is this is way more than a guy like me would come up with, and this this is great. Mm-hmm. You know what what better way? Because I've had people after me about doing a podcast. Well, isn't this cool? But before, we're not tech guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, heck, half of what those followers love to see is those people that come on there and think they can say anything. And when you blow up at them, they love it. Yeah. You know, when you tell somebody to kiss my ass that, <laughs> that didn't think they'd ever get told that, well, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 created a lot of opportunities. Um, I mean, you know, I'd love to sit here and tell you because of how good I've roped my whole life is the reason these people are all over my shirts. Yeah. But more than anything, it's the social media coverage, and it's the fact that I am going somewhere all the time to rope or I'm going somewhere to speak to people. And, and probably the most rewarding uh, um, of, of the opportunities that I've received isn't to go tell jokes, isn't to do a comedy deal. It's It's more than anything getting to go speak to groups. And I've spoken to... A good many young agriculture type groups. Mm-hmm. I got to speak at Montana State University. I've spoken, at, at, you know, in a couple of different places in the Dakotas and 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 in quite a few in our part of the world. But it's it's cool to get to go try to make an impact 
And I've always laughed it and said, you know, all I've got to do to motivate young people is tell my story and say, now, don't do that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's maybe from, from learning the hard way, maybe I can help. If it helps one young person, then all this totally crap is worth, worth it. it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, um, I talked to Buster and he had kind of the same message about building a brand, how important that is. And, and I see it also and attention is like the new currency. So absolutely. I mean, you have to be a real person. You have to be yourself and you have to be someone of interest, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of people, a lot of cowboys are that. Um, but they're they're scared to put themselves out there. But by building that brand, you've got the sponsors, you've got opportunities. Same way with Buster, mm -hmm. he got the attention for doing the cool everyday stuff that he's already doing, the cool stuff that you're already doing, and then building building that brand. And then you get those sponsors on your shirt, makes it easier to rodeo. You get more more business in your business. You sell merch. You do these different things. Get paid to go speak. And it and it just makes your life a little easier on the on the money side anyway. Makes it sure. easier makes it easier to live your life. Well, in, in in your part of Texas, over in East Texas, my part of Texas doesn't matter. You you go you can go in any coffee shop in this day and age. All the people that we were raised around that are doing what we do, or, or the older guys are doing what we do, they'll tell you it takes it all now mm -hmm. to make a living. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to get to do it the way you want to do it. If 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 you want to have to answer to somebody, that's one thing. If you want to have to answer to Crockett Carruthers, totally different deal. Mm -hmm. It takes every little thing you can pick up. I was I was telling a story today on Cecil Sellers. You remember Cecil Cecil Sellers? He I don't was think at, so. He was at Hamlin, Hamlin, Texas, and he he operated really big, big order buying outfit. A lot of lot of wheat cattle turned out. And mm -hmm. He was over in Buffalo one Saturday morning going to the sale, and him and my dad pulled up side by side. Pick up, pick up. Dad and him shook hands, and they start across the parking lot. Mr. Sellers says, look there, son. There's a penny on the ground. You ought to pick that up. Dad reached over and picked it up, put it in his pocket. And they went a little further and said, look, son, there's a dime. You better pick that up. Dad reached over and picked it up. And they got a little further, and Mr. Sellers says, look, son, there's a quarter. I believe I'll get it. You know? <laughs> but I said that to say it just takes everything. And the way I was raised, my family is Almost all big personalities. Mm -hmm. um, you know my brother Tate, and he's probably the only one of us that's the way Tate is. Tate's pretty quiet and pretty reserved. Mm -hmm. um, but it made it so our networking, as they call it now, we just call it shaking hands, introducing yourself to yeah. people. It made it so that networking for us was easy. And that may be the biggest currency I have. Mm -hmm. you know, And, and the, the attention, the popularity, all that. I think that if you back up to, to talking about a guy like Buster, uh, Waylon Davis, I mean, there's a, there's a crew of those guys that we've all been around a bunch. You, hell, whoever you want to talk about. First things first, they're legit people. Mm -hmm. And if they're not legit people, it comes out in the, in the wash. You know, I mean, um, I was talking to, uh, oh, heck, that uh, – Corbin Livingston mm -hmm. the other day. We, in fact, we were at Vegas talking about it, and we're sitting under a under a a, a, a billboard with Dale Brisby on it. Yeah, and of course, you know, uh, at, good for him. I'm glad he's done so good. You know, uh, his dad was such a great hand. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Coke was, but um, and and that boy's a good hand in his own right. So they tell me. I've never been around him much, but 
Corbin did his stuff on social media, and I asked Corbin, I said, Corbin, why don't I see you anymore? What are you doing? And we were roping some together. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I think my stuff was dated. You know, I think there was only so far it could go. And I never wanted to be to the point where I was hustling and begging and trying to film something all the time and trying yeah. to see if I could stay ahead of it just to just to make the masses happy. And I, I think that's big as well. Mm-hmm. You know, first legit, then whatever you record, make it legit. Now, sometimes some of my jokes get a little outside of the legitimacy, but, <laughs> you know, they're just jokes. It's just what it is. And you, you've had to put um – your jokes are only on YouTube, I guess. Yeah, I've backed off a lot of it. Now, I've done some stuff on TikTok lately. Um, TikTok has not been nearly as liberal as Facebook as far as, you know, just any little whine or crying. They jerk your stuff off there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had some some stuff with TikTok where they, oh, you know, just, just they didn't, maybe they didn't understand what you were talking about, you know, you tell a joke that you and I get. Yeah, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense standing in Times Square, you know. <laughs> yeah. and and you know I, that's the only real fallback I've had from then. YouTube has been more than than great to deal with, and and um, the lady that helps me with my publicity stuff, she tells me all the time, "Look, we need more, we need more, we need more." And I said, "No, we need more quality." Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I it, people say all the time, "Well, this should have made you rich already," and and it hasn't. But mm-hmm. I also haven't haven't worked it like I'm trying to make a living. I, I, yeah. I want it to be light and I want it to be enjoyable, and most of all, real. Yeah, but it's been a good supplement at least, and, and opened a lot of doors. It's opened a ton of doors, mm-hmm. and and hopefully along the way, the people that have opened doors for me have been able to help them too. Mm-hmm. Um, the crazy things, like um, I mean, here's a for instance. I had a guy back in December. Right at the end of December, write me a hot check for twenty eight thousand worth of work. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy's not going to pay me. I'm telling you, I went through two weeks of trying to get collected, and he kept beating me around the bush. Go here, go there, do this, do that. We're going to get you paid. And finally, the day that I drew the line, and I was tired of being lied to, I said, "Okay, here we go." And I put a post on social media. I said, "Just you know who you are. You've beat me out of twenty eight thousand tomorrow at noon." I'm going to make sure everybody else knows who you are. At 11.45, I had a cashier's check. <laughs> and and I tell that story because it was so cool and so humbling to me that that's what people did for me. Now, I've done the same thing for other people, mm-hmm. I, I, and I've helped raise money for a lot of different causes, a lot of different families that were having problems. But in the last year, um, those same people came came right up for us when my wife had a benefit roping for her, her breast cancer. They stepped up the plate for me there, and, you know, it tells me that the people that are following me are just as legit as I want to be, and, and that's that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the more you give, the more it makes somebody else want to give back to you. I hope so. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've learned later in life, you know, the 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 – Part of being a participating member of your of your local society is to give, mm-hmm. but I have a, a a pretty good role model at that. Um, one of my my biggest clients at home in the fencing business in the construction business is uh, he's he started as a PCA officer. Actually, was an ag teacher, then PCA officer, then wound up being over fifty some odd of those Edwards Jones offices, mm-hmm. and then went out on his own. And he's done very 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 well. But he's also given back to his community, mm-hmm. and he catches a lot of flack for it. People call him, you know, the wealthiest guy in town, and they t- they want to call Stanford after his name and stuff like that. 
doesn't phase this guy. Yeah. He he he's grounded. He's centered. His faith is steady. You know, and he just goes right on with it, and he keeps on giving back. And I'll tell you what, it's come back to him tenfold. Mm-hmm. And if you can't learn from something like that, you can't learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got to live with that abundance mentality. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna put it all out there. You're gonna give back uh, monetarily or your time or however mm-hmm. that may be. And just know that it's it's going to come back to you eventually, somehow, probably. I, I agree. I, I, one of my greatest influences, and and I don't do his stuff, but one of my greatest influences as a kid was Jerry Clower. Mm-hmm. I could do I could do everything he ever told. Yeah, but I'll never forget something he said. God was faithful, or I was faithful with a little, and so God trusted me with a lot. Mm-hmm. And hey, if that doesn't say something, I mean, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care. Who who you who you believe in is your higher power. But if you don't believe that when you're trusted, you know, if you're faithful with a little, that you can build on that, man, I, I, you don't have much of a soul, in my opinion. Oh yeah, uh, I want to get back. So there are people in our group that know you, know where you came from, and uh, but I I got to reading your your background on your website. And it's crazy. You, as a kid, you lived all over and got to do a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, then growing up, you rodeoed and went all over. Um, so let's go back and let's um, let's talk about growing up, who you are. I think a lot. There's a lot of people out there. You got a lot of followers that probably have no clue about anything but the joke telling and your fence company and what's now. So let's talk about a little bit of the history of Chick Wilfong. We had that buried so well, though. <laughs> no. Um... How far back you want to go? Because that that story, you, you know that it's it, it doesn't matter how far back you go, it just gets wilder and wilder. Yeah. But um, I first came along, and, and I'll try to speed this up. We're not going to start with life. <laughs> but if to understand the type of people that raised me, um, my dad, his father ranched in ten counties in Texas and had two ranches leased in New Mexico and one in South Georgia. In 1972, my dad got expelled from Tarleton for screwing up. And I, I think if if I told you the correct story, they did two things, Dad and Danny Brown. You remember Danny Brown? I think so. Okay. he would he We lost him not too long after you'd started coming to Stanford and stuff, but he mm-hmm. was a mainstay there. there. There's never been a Brown and a Wilfong that weren't friends. That's how close. <laughs> Our granddaddies were close, and we're all close. But... They had been taken. Danny was a he played a linebacker for TCU, and Danny was big enough he could take the lid off a telephone booth. And why this was fun, I don't know. But they were <laughs> stacking the telephone booths full of watermelons, and then they would go out to the egg farm, which wasn't too far from where the cheese plant was at Tarleton. Yeah, and they would get coal eggs and they would egg cars. <laughs> and so they get they finally catch them doing all this wild, crazy, stupid stuff. You know, just kid stuff. And they they expelled Dad, and when they expelled him. He, my granddaddy sent him to South Georgia to go to work. And Dad said they we pulled down there, and the old man that was partners with my granddaddy, uh, he was uh, – that was an actual plantation. The old commissary was across the road. It was an old antebellum home. had great big oak trees in the front yards and Spanish moss hanging off of them. And Dad said, I'll never forget, said that the morning that my grandparents – or my grandparents left him down there, his parents – 
He said that everything I owned was in a mohair sack tied to the top of that old Buick car and said, your granddaddy just reached and cut that that rope holding that sack and just raked everything I owned off in the parking lot right there <laughs> in that driveway. He said, now, son, all the way back to Texas, your mama's going to whimper because I'm doing this to you. And every time she whimpers, I'm going to giggle because I'm rid of your ass. <laughs> and and uh, they find out. You know, of course, not too long. Mom's pregnant with me. So he rides a cow truck to Texas. They get married. That same granddaddy that sent him down there gives, says, okay, for your, your wedding present, uh, Harry, I'm giving you a car. But I'm giving Judy the the motor to that car. Now, y'all better put the motor in it tonight so you got a way to get back home. And 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 they did. They put the motor in that car overnight, got married the next morning, drove back to Georgia. And I, when I first saw the light of day, it was to two Texas kids that were off down there where they didn't know a soul. Yeah. And, you know, I think right there is where, where I started to learn how to get along with people that I had nothing in common with. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a long time down there, if you had a bad cow, I mean, they knew it from Okeechobee to North Georgia, that Harry Wilfong was the guy you called. And Dad... Dad was a one hell of a cowboy. There, there's no doubt. You don't talk to anybody that doesn't say that about him. Mm-hmm. But then uh, in the 80s, he had some, he'd done well and had some of those dollar and 10 cent yearlings that were worth 45 cents the following week. Yeah. And, and it completely broke him. And he came west back to work for my grandfather. We ran a ranch at Buffalo, Texas. Um, and once we came back to Texas, that's. Where I actually fell in love with roping, and it was a, it was a real strange deal. I, I was just kind of messing with it. Dad had always rodeoed and roped mm-hmm. calves, and uh, we had a neighbor boy that had won a bunch of saddles and buckles and stuff. And I thought that was all cool, but we went over there, and I was going to tie with him a little. Now you got to understand, I'm just barely stringing them and gathering them and getting them. You know, it it it, it was like you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Every everybody starts at that spot. Yeah, and this guy laughed at me. This kid did. And I, I missed her. I went to work. I would drag calves up under the barn when it was raining. Dad would, Mom would make Dad come to the barn and get me and make me go to bed so I could go to school. And that then he would, you. Yeah. And he would tell the story. He'd say, you know, I'd, it'd be 2 o'clock in the morning, and Chick would be out there open the dummy. And said, so, you know, my, my wife was all over me about, damn it, get him to bed. He's, he's got to go to school. Mm-hmm. And it just hotter and heavier and more and more and and in those days it was calf roping was huge then, calf right? roping was huge and 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 back then you know we were what an hour and a half north of houston and if you could survive with a calf rope around houston you could survive anywhere i that's, mean there's that's people, what i've heard joe b say oh yeah absolutely joe I mean, you know we used to joke joe and fred and cody they all left there because it was a hell of a lot easier to make a living everywhere else than it was down there now those guys of course all roped good enough they could survive there but mister you better be able to tie one in six or seven every time if you if you want to win money now mm-hmm. were the calves little and good you bet but it was just calf roping was it mm-hmm. now you know, we team roped some. Hell, I had to team rope some in college just just because they wanted you to work all the events they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, more than anything, we you know it was it was cowboying, and then we got to rope in the evenings. And my dad and mom, I was real fortunate. They were the kind of people that they might not could afford it, you know, but they'd find a way. And the main thing was, is dad had, he traded cattle anyway. So if I wanted to rope, 
Okay, we'll get us five or six nurse cows and put calves on them, and there's your roping calves. And so he sold roping calves to all the kids that I roped with. And, yeah. and made a business out of it. Made a business out of it. And a lot of times, you know, I'd run 100 calves a day and never rope the same one twice. And, and I can tell right now, I can show you the guys that are running that many a day, and then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's if you prepare – correctly and i don't care if it's business i don't care if it's roping whatever it is but if you prepare correctly um chance favors a prepared prepared mind Mm -hmm. um but what i said all that to say was they were the type of people my parents were that if you'd go far however far you'd go they'd meet you halfway Mm -hmm. and it got to where at one point there that i could pull up there and and once i got done saddling all the horses there'd be 100 calves there to rope or 125 or 30 and I'd have five or six horses standing there tied. Now, were they all outstanding calf horses? Heck, no, we couldn't afford that. But ever using horse on the ranch that had a half-assed chance of dribbling to a stop and pulling, I had him, <laughs> you know. And So there's where my basis came. Now that, that makes a huge difference, getting that support. But I see it all the time now, and people want to come rope with me and and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't want to help you if you're not – if you, if I can tell, you know, if you're not invested in it, sure. If you know, like you're saying, you you're gonna do it regardless, whether you had two calves or a hundred calves and one horse, or if you're just gonna rope the dummy or whatever you're gonna do, you're you're in it. So you got the support from everybody else around you, and I see it all the time. Kids, you can tell they don't really care about it, so that makes me. Uh, Shady will say, "Why don't you tell him he's doing this or that?" I'm like. I'm not, I'm not, breath. yeah, I'm not going to help them because I don't want to be helped. If they want to know, they can ask. And that's, uh, that's kind of how I grew up, uh, roping with Bill Schof all the time. I'd go over there every day after school and he's not going to tell you nothing unless you ask mm-hmm. or, or you show some, you know, you show that you want to know and you want to better yourself. So that's a huge deal. I think that'll get, like you said, in any aspect of life, if you put forth the effort, you'll get some support from somewhere. Absolutely. It, 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 if you take the first steps and you're working hard at it, even today, now it's not like it was 30 years ago where you could do more the harder you'd work. It's not where, what am I trying to say? It's not where the more you work, the wealthier you are. It's mm-hmm. the smarter you work now. Mm-hmm. But it's still the same as the people that will perk up and notice, the people that can and will help you. If they see you're trying, they'll step up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's part of, of of building your brand, building who you are, building your wealth, whatever. No matter what the endeavor is, you have got to go at it full bore, and you got to be real with it because anything phony or fake will come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that you're exactly right. And and Dad sent me to guys and had guys come. That would help me, but those guys would stand back. And if they didn't see you were giving it all you had, um, Tacey Webb's dad, Dan, Dan came and roped with me some. Um, you know, there there was guys that I rodeoed with that helped me a lot. Um, you know, the things Joe Beaver taught me are really things that you might not want to teach all your kids, <laughs> but he taught me some things. Mm-hmm. Um Joe's not the same guy today that he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a very, very fierce competitor, and he was a terrible loser. And I think that's one of the things you got to be if you're going to be a winner yeah. is you got to hate losing. But 
Joe also Joe knew the mind games. He knew the how to how to play all that stuff, and you got to be able to put up with it. You know, my my dad was really good at that. He'd talk that trash to you, see if he could screw you up in the practice pen, and but he knew it was coming. He knew I'd have to deal with a a monster like Joe Beaver one day. Mm-hmm. You know, and by monster I mean how big his personality was and how you know he, he was the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Roy was still going when I was rodeoing, and Roy was just out there by himself. You know. Um, about that time when I was still going is when Fred came along and then Cody right behind him. I'm a year older than Cody. Cody and I, um, and he won't, he wouldn't bat an eye for, to be sitting here with us. I've beat him the most match opens of anybody. And I, I think it's eight. I don't know. Uh, the Everything gets better in the telling. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we talked the other day and, and, you know, he's doing good again and, and looks like he's going to do this team rodeo deal for mm-hmm. Kid Rock and them. So we, we get to have more civilized conversations than we used to. The mm-hmm. uh, main reason is, and, and again, this goes with every aspect of life. If you're going out there and you're sticking your neck out there, you better believe that you're the baddest cat in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And back then, when we believed we were the baddest cats in the jungle, man, we didn't have much to say to each other. Yeah. You know, we they'll talk about. Um, I, I always laugh about Fred and Cody talking about what wonderful friendship they had, Mister. They were at each other's throats. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to win something. Now they might be buddies in the truck when when the rest of the world didn't see them, but when they got out at that rodeo, it's game on. Mm-hmm. Because that's the that's the one thing about rodeoing that that helps you in this life is you're on your own. There's not a you know, you may have a few sponsors or something, but it's you they're looking to. Mm-hmm. It, it, when it comes down to it, it's all on your shoulders. And I, I think that that those were all aspects of life that that came on. But um, I'll try to skip through this fast as I can. Um, I, I got a uh, full ride to anywhere in the, in the nation I wanted to go to rope calves. Mm-hmm. Made the national high school finals. Made the college finals. Um, Came home, and it was just as important to me to party as it was to rope. Yeah. And you, you see that a lot. You know, you see a young man with all the talent in the world start to lose focus. And part of that was, is there was a there was a hatred building up inside me. And the reason it was building up is I saw these guys with all this money could do anything they wanted to. They didn't have to, they didn't have to win something to get to go to, you know, didn't have to place at Silver City, New Mexico to get to go on to Reno, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I was struggling that way, but my dad wanted me to rodeo poor because he wanted me to know how to make it. Mm-hmm. And to this day, there's no greater feeling in my mind in rodeo than making that shot when you got to. When you've got to tie one in seven and you can get it done, you're in an echelon all by yourself. And you can take it, you throw your hands up and take a deep breath. Yeah, take <laughs> a deep like breath it. and know, you know, get back on. And when, he, when the judge says he's good, um, and and this day and age, uh, you know, to what I've elevated to the team are open. The reason I'm there is that's where the money's at, mm-hmm. and and I've already got the mindset of how to win. I already score good. I already know what a good horse is. Well, heck, why not? Yeah. Um, but you, you know, your your shows the wealthy cowboy. I'll always look back and I'll think, man, if I'd have just had the money, man, if I'd have just had the money. But if I'd have had the money, would I'd have had the desire? Mm-hmm. And that to me, that's a that's a catch twenty two. Um, I went on and I got to go. You know, I made it every short round at every major rodeo. Um, didn't win them all, 
want enough to keep going. It was making a living that was important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, missed the finals narrowly a couple of times, and and you know, then other things got more important to me. Um, more than anything, I came home and I amateur rodeoed, and I could go work like heck during the week and 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 cowboy during the week and then get to go rodeo on the weekends and go have fun at the dances or whatever that yeah. was more what i enjoyed um you know was it always wonderful no but uh, who can say that it was always wonderful mm-hmm. and uh then in gosh about 99 or 2000 i had an uncle living out at albany and that uncle had had some problems. He had a son get kicked in the head by a horse and get killed. Then his wife had a good many health problems, and she died. Remarried, and, and we thought everything was going good. And one morning, he got up shot himself. And Daddy went out there to go to helping his kids take care of his estate. Mm-hmm. And it was big enough, and he had enough cattle turned out. I mean, he had... At one time, he had the Cook and the, the uh, Dawson Conway both out there. And so he was ranching, you know, what, 75,000 acres, plus the, the all the wheat cattle and all the little stuff he had going on. And mm-hmm. Dad realized, you know, this is big enough that if I'm going to be out here, I better get something going on. Yeah. And then pretty quick, he sends me out there, sends my cousin Brazos out there, and we're in a grow yard. The first time I spent in, in Stanford, Texas proper working for my daddy, we were in a grow yard out there right across that. You know where that yard is, down across from the arena. Yeah. In October, and it rained 22 days straight. Mm. It was so muddy, those cattle, there were some five-weight cattle there that couldn't reach the feed bin. It, it was it was so miserable. We thought we had died and gone to hell. You know? <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody asked us one time, says, how is it out there? It's the wettest place on earth. We're never going back. Let us go back to East Texas. Yeah, you know, didn't know it rained this much Didn't know it rained that much. And you know, it was just an old misty, cold, nasty rain. But that's everything kind of, looks sick in that. Kind oh, of weather. It, it was terrible. <laughs> it was so terrible. You, you, you know how you ride in them and you're trying to be really diligent about what you're doing, and directly you go blind. They all look the same. <laughs> yeah. We did it for like fourteen or fifteen pins of cattle for twenty-two days in a row. <laughs> you know, I looking back, I hope we gave the right medicine to the right cattle because, of course, you could see the ones that was just about to die. We knew yeah. what they were, yeah. But them ones we were trying to catch, that weather was so bad, and everything's ears were down, and everything mm-hmm. was was just soaked and cold. And you know, um, but anyway, we went on, and and Dad got to where he was turning out fifteen, sixteen thousand head of yearlings, and had about the whole 2,500 mama cows out there. And so that's pretty well where I put down roots. And Were you getting to rodeo any, taking care right of Right about that? then, no. I had I had gone through, you know, through the the wanting to go to the dance and drink and fight and be a wild cowboy. I, I had to go to go visit with the judges some and had to be on probation some and had to do stuff like that and and it's not something i'm I, i'm proud of but it's not something i hide i i, yeah. I had to go to go straighten up you mm-hmm. know uh, there there was never a, a a cowboy that matured very early and there certainly never was a will fong that did <laughs> and so you know i did and 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 got through that stuff got through it fine you know uh, I'll, I'll never forget uh I had a very, very dear old friend named Marty Richter that told me one time, he says, if you just live through it, you'll be okay. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the way Marty was. You knew Marty. He, he just, everything was, was light and to the point, but he was right. Just live through it. It'll be okay. I mean, we, as young people, we all go through something. And, 
and probably as much to help me was Mary and Jody. You know, she's a she's a tough old broad, and she's she's had to didn't put up with no shit. Didn't put up with no shit, and she's you know we don't have kids, but she likes to tell us because she hadn't got me raised yet. <laughs> but um, then I went back. Um, Jeff Davis had a had a blue roan horse. Mm-hmm. About the time we were going to those muggins at the Windy Ryan, one year I called him. He had a practice horse. I, I we had sold my calf horse, and and he he wasn't great anyway. We mugged a lot on a little bay horse, but Jeff had this practice horse that he just kind of monkeyed around on a little. But horse was pretty solid. And I called Jeff. Said Jeff, I'm going to go back and enter the Windy Ryan this year, and I need something to ride. Would you let me ride your practice horse? He said no, but I'll let you ride my blue horse. And man, he's anybody that ever saw me ride him he's mm-hmm. a bad cat and fit my program and um i'll never forget uh brian mcbride and i we win the we win the first round win the short round win the average win the top horse win everything there you can win and as i'm riding out of the arena marty jones trots over to me and says chick what do you take for that horse and i said well he's not mine he's jeff's and jeff was owning coming out of the arena i'm just walking carrying my rope can and Jeff turns and tells Marty what he'd take for him. And I had in my mind, I was going to trip steers. I'd already bought a bus. I had, I, we were going to go around. Me and Jody were going to go from those pro rodeo to pro rodeo yeah. and just you know do the summer deal, hang mm-hmm. out. And I made about two more steps. And I thought, you know what? I don't believe I'm done roping calves. And I just turned around and said, get your shit off my horse. <laughs> and funny story, you know, I went right there. I went back to roping the dummy a bunch, tying some, getting ready and Jeff told me, said, look, it's going to take me a little bit because me and Meredith are going to have to talk about this, and she's not going to be happy, but I need <laughs> to sell him. And he sold him to go through TCU Ranch Management is what he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, he calls me. This was, of course, Memorial Day weekend. I finally get the horse after his wife would cry when he told when he told her he was bringing him to me, and then... I'd hang up the phone and said, okay, Jeff's going to bring him to me. And my wife would start crying. You're going to take <laughs> off and just be a rodeo bum again, you know. Um, but I finally got him August 2nd or 3rd. And and that was in, I guess, 12. And rode him three years, got back in the top 50 in the world even. I mean, I've, I've lost a little weight, but I was I was really fat and out of shape then. Yeah. And it, he, uh, he was just a, a real blessing to us. That's a really cool horse. And he's helped, you know, Buster was your first guest. Buster and I won a bunch together mm-hmm. with oh, him mugging yeah. for me. And Buster said, I never saw a horse to do like that. I said, well, there's not a whole lot of them, Buster. When did you quit going to the muggins in like 19 or? Yeah. You rode him five, six years probably? I rode him five or six. When that horse when that horse finally got to where you know, he had some arthritis in his, in his uh, joints and particularly you had to shoe him like he was navicular, but mm-hmm. it was because of arthritis. And finally, it got to bother him bad enough. I decided that I would nerve him and try to help him through it, and maybe get two or three more years out of him. And the nerving didn't take, and it really got to bother him. And I guess nineteen before we left to go to the finale at Vegas, I took a backhoe and dug a hole and ran everybody off the place and shot him and laid him in that hole. And it was a bad, bad day, you know. Mm-hmm. I, um. They're your family. Yeah, they're they're not just they're not just how you make a living. They're your friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I got a set of horses standing at home. I don't have many better friends than some of those horses. Yeah, you know, um, we are a a horse culture. Mm-hmm. The, the the way that you and I do things, and and the guys that we talk about, and <clears throat> well, it's I mean, just it's just like um, you know somebody in the military or somebody in a 
dangerous job or whatever would build a brotherhood <clears throat> when you're when you're making a living off that horse i mean you're y'all are going through it together the good times and the bad y'all are broke you know he may not get to eat very good you may not get to eat very good and then you go to the next rodeo and win or whatever it's it's uh you know you're going all those miles together and it's just like you're going through it with your brother i think that's part of what makes us who we are though and i'll tell you why you didn't mean what you said about he may not be eating very good he's always going to eat good we might not be (laughs) and he might not know how bad it is he may be grazing at the rodeo grounds because we can't afford to feed him (laughs) but by god he's eating you know and and we'll we'll take care of watering him and we'll make sure you know if it's hot, we'll pull his saddle off and let his back cool while we're waiting to run one, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, that's something that is one of the reasons I'm so big on kids in agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, te- teach them to take care of something. And the thing you may teach them to take care of the most is themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right about that. You, you're, you're, you're a brotherhood, and you go through it. And when you lose them, I mean, you can tell that still chokes me up. When you lose them... Man, you, you lost somebody important to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I hate to belittle human beings, but there's human beings that didn't mean as much to me as that horse, you know. Well, I, th- I think it's just, I hadn't thought about it before, but listening to you talk, uh, I, I think you can relate it back to humans. I mean, there's you you encounter through your life, you encounter a bunch of humans, and they don't, you know, they're just acquaintances or they're your enemies or they're your you know, you kind of like them, but then you also develop a bond of, of, of brothers. You know, you you develop a close close knit, whether it's your some friends or family or whatever it is. Sure, you develop a few that that you really care about and are real close to you. The same with horses. You know, especially if you're if you're going through a bunch of horses rodeoing or trading horses or or ranching or whatever you're going to go through a bunch in your lifetime but there's only going to be a few that you really really care about and that you that you will go saddle up if you got to go catch something off the highway in the middle of the night you know that you know is going to be there and and you you develop a bond like that we called it horses you'd go to war on Mm -hmm. you know and and that's been something that's passed down through generations of our families about, you know, back when, when you sent those kids off to war, they didn't ride a sorry horse mm-hmm. when they rode to town. And it, it's also about trust. I mean, what? how old is y'all's baby now? Uh, 15 months. That baby ain't just going to get on any horse. Yeah. You know, that baby will get on a good one. Mm-hmm. And and that says something for whatever horse that is. And and. If that horse is not a family member, you you show me somebody that's yeah. more one, you know, that you trust with that. Yeah. It it I remember distinctly my dad was riding horses through the ring at Dothan, Alabama. And I'm, you know, starving. I, I'm I'm brand new. I'm on the ground. He's twenty, she's twenty-one. They don't know how they're gonna make it. He's cowboying, he's working his butt off every day, very likely for less money than than you could live on at all. Mm-hmm. And he's riding them horses through for five dollars a horse and think he's, he thinks he's just making a killing. And they walk this little uh, black and white paint Shetland pony through the ring. And dad rides him and he says, I just felt it. Said he just this sumbuck was broke. Mm-hmm. And they sold him for twenty two fifty. And my mother chewed his ass for spending twenty two fifty on him, and twenty two dollars and fifty cents now. 
and he brings that pony home about half you know how this how the old horse sale goes he's about half tooted when he got home and he led him up on the porch and into the house and set me on him it's two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and oh we i named him i say i named him they told me i named him stinker <laughs> stinker raised me and i mean raised me and it was my mother would turn me out and this is before I was old enough to go with daddy, you know, you just, there is, there is an age limit to how hard, you, you know, a dad will stick a kid in a set of pins with them brammer cows. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> so dad'd be gone and mama would have one of the hands or she'd go saddle stinker for me and she'd turn me loose and stinker and I chased all the outlaws and we won, won the world. We, mm-hmm. we settled the West. We did it all together. And then he went on to some friends of mine because they had little kids coming up behind me mm-hmm. and raised those kids. My brother and I are, are uh, 12 years apart, then my sister's another, she's 14 apart from me. Stinker came back and taught them how to ride. And Dad thought he was 20 when he bought him. Yeah. You know, but old Stinker has pictures in in my family album, and Stinker belongs there as much as anybody. Oh, yeah. and And that's... That could be one of the most cool things about who we are, mm-hmm. because I'll tell you this much: that little pony had about as much integrity as as any people I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. He is honest to the day he died. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to find those honest ones and those those cool horses. They're just and it's it's like you're saying your dad. It's just like a it's a it's a feeling. It's kinda. a feel. It's it's uh, you know I, I I don't like to to really tell the secrets to doing it. But dad taught me the feel of a horse that was a winner, a horse that can run across the line and sit up under himself and do it. It doesn't matter if you're heading, if you're healing, if you're up in cash, whatever. It's more important now with this World Series barrier to have a head horse that can run across the line. And this day and age, and I won't stay very long on the horse market. You'll have a lot smarter people than me come talk to you <laughs> about that. But you can have a person – Ask you a hundred thousand for a horse that's not as nice as the horse over here that somebody's asking twenty five for. He just doesn't. This horse doesn't have the feel. This horse does, and it's because too many people don't have the feel. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't understand it, mm-hmm. and that's not something you teach. That's not something you would teach if you could, because that's part of kind of how we make our living. Yeah. Um, and 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 I wonder how many people actually that make a living with horses ever actually feel the difference in the two. Because mm-hmm. you'll see them, you'll see some horses that are just outstanding, and you'll see some horses that aren't. And I and I always say they'll say, "Well, what happened to old so and so? You know, he's a bad cat. He's just one nice horse away from you seeing him again." Yeah. Will he know we know him when he sees him? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that makes all the difference. I mean that was that was me. I had that buckskin horse and and. He elevated my game through high school and college, mm-hmm. and then he kind of got crippled, and I didn't have anything else coming up, so I, I went to day working and cowboying and haven't really come back because, I mean, I haven't made a horse. I haven't made – I don't have the money to go out there and pay for it, pay for one, so I'm trying, been trying to make some. Well, then you know how that goes. Every time I get one, you know, that's good enough to haul, I'll – I sell it and yeah, start it over. <laughs> like the little sorrel horse you had advertised the other day, that horse was doing some things right, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and then somebody comes along and buys him. But by the same token, um, you're riding him every day, so you're expecting 
a mistake somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, sometimes when you're riding them and you're expecting a mistake somewhere, you, re- you realize, man, I hate it. I've got a lot of time in this little horse. He's just not the horse. Mm-hmm. And, and that sucks, but there's somebody out there hunting him nowadays. Man, yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. Um, well, especially in the, in the team roping that, you know, everybody's got excited about the world series. I've never been a, I've team roped a little bit. I'm, it's never got me going like the calf roping or going to ranch rodeo. But, I mean, you got to look at the money. Like you said, it, it brought you over and converted you to a team roper because there's so much money there. And, and there's a lot of weekend warriors and, and cow hands and everybody wants to go that route because there's that money. So if you can go to Vegas and win 200000 you can afford to go spend twenty five, thirty thousand on a horse that you can go across there sure. and, and make a run on. Sure, and you get to looking at it, and if if you can give thirty for a horse that you know you can win on, in three weekends you pay for him. Mm-hmm. You honestly can. You can you can pay for him. Heck, can pay for him three ropings if you go the right ropings. Mm-hmm. Um, the key now where I am in the game, not that I'm anybody important in it. I'm just I went from being a big fish in a little pond to a little fish in a great big pond. But now it's picking where you go, picking where the best chances are, of course, picking the partners, mm-hmm. um, picking the ones that are, that are you know, maybe the producer spends a little more time trying to make sure that everything's even and set up and, and give yourself better chances to win because it's going to cost something no matter what you do. You better go where the money's at. Mm-hmm. But what? Uh, so now – you're team roping a lot. Um, that's kind of your main your main deal. What you got a construction company too that kind of fuels that fuels your hobby and your horse deal. Tell us a little bit about that. It's uh, C squared. Yep, yep. We it's we call it custom construction. And I was telling you before we went on there, <laughs> it's funny. Back when we first got our first caps made, I was bound to determine we had to have some advertising but we couldn't afford to put custom construction all the way across the cap, so I just put C-squared, and it kind of stuck with us. Um, but I really, um, when I was rodeoing two different times in my life, once I went to work for Brown and Root, um, we were doing shutdowns down there in those in those oil facilities around uh, Pasadena, mm-hmm. and that helped pay, you know, let me put some money in my pocket, put some money back. Um, that old superintendent I had down there was such a good guy. We were working shutdown, so it was seven twelves. But he told me, he said, just come in and tell me, you know, if you're wanting to go to a rope and somewhere is a good one, you just come tell me, no problem. You know, And it was because I knew him through a family friend. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was funny. A cousin of mine knew him, a second cousin. But she knew him because she knew Nolan Ryan, and Nolan Ryan and him were friends. And that's, you know, and I... I shook hands with Owen Ryan one time, but I've never got to say, hey, you done me a heck of a favor, and I appreciate yeah. it. But then also once in Kansas City, I had a, I, I started with a, an apprentice card uh, as an apprentice carpenter, wound up moving forward and was a, was a carpenter foreman, and wound up being an assistant superintendent some um, in you know just a handful of jobs up there that I got to be an assistant suit. But... It gave me a background in construction, and I've always had a little bit of a mechanical mind. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be home, and and was was working for my dad. And the family was a little bit bigger than the ranching operation was. And you know, 
having a brother, me and my brother, we were at each other's throats about half the time. And finally, Dad says, look, tranquility and peace was here until you got here. You got to go somewhere. <laughs> and so... And, and and you know it goes back to that it's healthy to fight. Now he wasn't he wasn't disowning me. He wasn't doing none of that. He said you know you're more than this. You need to go step out and do some other things. Mm-hmm. And so I just happened to bid some work once, and we went from there. And and I have right there is where I have the the great support system. Um, I mean, you know Henry Miller. He runs my my outfit for me. He's the man. I've got a guy from Arizona named Bub Hastings that helps him. And between those two guys, I don't have to worry about anything. Um, I can go mess with a few little cows. I still straighten out some yearlings, and I've still got a few cattle turned out. And and then I can go rope. I can can go do whatever I want. I, I get to call my own shots, and that's important. Mm-hmm. And and it also allows for. I mean, you know, from building your your social media presence, if you let it. This social media stuff will take over your your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes time to do this. It takes time to plan. It takes time to get the shots that you really want, especially when you're sitting in a pickup with your phone on a steering wheel because that's the best way for you to do it because you don't have a camera. Yeah. But it, quite honestly, uh, some of the best content I've ever seen wasn't done with a professional camera crew. It was done mm-hmm. with a phone, somebody yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. Um yeah. And, and you catch some really neat stuff like that. I just I never thought we'd get to the point where we're we're building so hot and heavy that the first thing we do is get our phone out when we head to the pasture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or now um, now like I, I see a bunch of people have them and I have them, but those Ray Ban glasses. Sure, you can record. It's it's cool. You get to. Uh, you know, while I'm, I get a lot of runs while I'm roping, or like I got some my runs at Stanford in the mm-hmm. in the slack during the day. That's that's a pretty cool deal. To, um, and I think uh, it's a social media is a good thing and a bad thing. Same with technology. Sure, it uh, you have to use it to your advantage. It's not good to just be a consumer of it all the time. I try to I scroll through Facebook a lot, but I try to. I mean, I'm always looking for ideas and trading on stuff, but. You don't don't want it to control your life. Just being a consumer of of social media and content and stuff like that. You want to you also want to use it to your advantage. Put yourself out there. You know, it's a great way to promote yourself. Whatever sure you do, and, and and I think it's very important. Like we talked about earlier, to to build a brand, and all that is is. I mean, I look at people's social media, and you look on there, and you can't even tell what job they have. Sure. And a lot of times they have their own business, and I, I mean you. Like where can I buy something from you? Mm-hmm. So just just putting a little bit of that out there. The first time I had a, a big following, I looked up and and you know when they send you those those stats on what your social media is doing, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually doing more now than I was then. But on that social media spot, I was reaching twelve to eighteen million people a month, and it goes through my mind if I could just sell them guys anything that makes one dollar yeah and you know i've not been very good at the marketing end of it and i'll tell you why i get sick of people trying to always sell me something Mm -hmm. i understand but by the same token there are people out there that that want they want to support you they want to spend a little money with you they want to do something they want they want to wear a t-shirt that says the wealthy cowboy they want to say well they want to wear a cap says i know poncho via mm-hmm. whether or not it makes any sense in the world yeah but they still they and 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 you know thank god for those people 
but it it's still I didn't want to be that guy and and I can tell you're the same way. I don't want to be that guy that oh here film this they might like this or oh here film that they might like that or let's go run over here and do this. Oh does this look wild enough? Oh how about this? And you, you and I know when that shit's staged. Mm-hmm. We've seen it. So uh, um I think as long as it doesn't control you, you control it and 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 you know keep the quality like you want it. I, I think that that it's all great. Yeah. Um I mean it's hard for for you and and Buster and myself and and all the other cowboys out there that have that have built something. I mean, I'm not saying I'm I'm not near as close like what y'all have built, but um, I'm paying attention to trying to grow my social media. But it's, you're working at it. That's yeah, the same thing. It's it's uh it's tough and, and sales and social media and marketing. It's it's kind of a foreign concept. You know, a lot of people don't put somebody wearing a cowboy hat in the same. Just like Buster came in, he said, "The wealthy cowboy. That's kind of that's kind of weird. Absolutely, it? those, those Absolutely. two don't go together." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, as somebody asked me the other day, I said, "You're going on the wealthy cowboy?" I said, "Absolutely." So, well, what are you going to tell them? <laughs> I said, "I'm going to tell them if it costs a quarter to sell around the world, all I could do is run up and down the shore hollering, damn, that's cheap.'" <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to do a little of it, and. Mm-hmm. and if if you say anything about Buster Frierson, the big lumberjack son of a gun, <laughs> he's he's legit, you yeah. know, and 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 he actually believes that shit that spews out of his mouth. You know, <laughs> he he uh, he really does believe in doing people straight up and doing people mm-hmm. right, and and he is a good hand with a horse, and mm-hmm. he is a good hand with a rope, and he's you know I'm jealous as hell. Mm-hmm. Guy's got arms that big around. <laughs> But somewhere in all my stuff, I've got a picture of him on a camel. I'll show you sometime. <laughs> that would be pretty hate, funny. He hates it. Oh, he hates it. He, he's going to be mad at me for saying that on here. <laughs> but um, so has has your social media presence and, and you doing all that, has it helped your construction? I know it's helped you get sponsors and, and some things like that. Has it helped your, your business too? Absolutely. You know, it, it – it, through the social media stuff, you know, you can't help but um, we build something that's really cool, and we build, we get to build a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, I don't. You do a lot of just like horse places. And- I do a lot of a lot of that type of stuff. I do more, and and not by choice, but I wind up doing a lot of the more fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is it's such a headache. It's not the simple five strand bar bar fence. Whoop it out, get that it, get gone. Can do. Yeah, because it, our business has got a little more a little more competitive and i think it's because for a long time people would look at guys like me and they'd say man y'all are just y'all are killing it y'all are making a well of living well no but it took a lot of equipment to do this and Mm -hmm. and it looks like we have a conglomeration of crap to work with um but through that you'll build something you're proud of and 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 every project we do you know if if i take it i'm going to be proud of it and it's going to pay well enough to be proud of it yeah um I think that's kind of like John Wayne told that kid on the clinic. You know, we both hold our heads up. Yeah. You'll do me a good job, and I'll pay you a fair amount to do it. But you're always going to share something. Um, I've had people that, you know, as they learn what I do with that construction company, they'll call and say, hey, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that. Would you at least come talk to us about, you know, the right way to build it? And that's that's the deal. It's, my, my construction company stuff is a lot like my my social media. If we can't do it, with some integrity and make sure it's built the correct way. We don't want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I hate to say that, but I don't want to build you something and have to worry if it's going to be standing in ten years. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, it's the the social media stuff has been outstanding for it, and it 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 also helps with your networking. Again, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're you know, I, I meet people every day. I, I had a lady contact me last night. Said, "Hey, you showed a picture of a fence that you guys built that was out of that. Uh, well, it was it was pipe, but it was also out of that that saw cut telephone pole wood." Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, "I got to find somebody down here in South Texas that'll build it." I said, "No, you don't." I said, "We'll travel. That ain't no problem." That was my next question of you. Where y'all operated, if y'all traveled around? Or- yep. Um, I, from the tip of South Texas, to I've, we've built some stuff in Nebraska. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter to us. We'll go. Mm-hmm. The, the question becomes the same as, you know, okay, say I can buy some, cheap, some pipe a lot cheaper in South Dakota. Yeah, I sure can. But that trucking's going to get high, yeah. you know. And, and you have to weigh, um, I think, as long as the craftsmanship is is – above average and ours will be mm-hmm. i think that that it's worth sometimes going going that route um i'm going to look at a at a deal in zapata you know tomorrow the next day and that's that's a plenty long ways from mm-hmm. abilene texas yeah. but um you know people if 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 they see it and they know that's the quality they want they know it's the type of thing they want they know i can build it when i go in and i tell them what it's going to cost to build it you know you don't add i don't add that's what it's going to be then I, I, the people that say, okay, that's what I want. I've got, you know, in my mind's eye what I want to do. Those are the people I want to work for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- they're easy to work for, you know. Sure. You know, the people that know what they want, they're easy. Yeah. As um, long as you give it to them, they'll pay you. Yeah. A <laughs> um, couple wrap-up questions here. What – so your favorite rodeo, and I want you to you, – this can be the same answer, but – there's kind of two questions here. Your favorite rodeo to enter, and then your favorite fav, favorite rodeo to watch. Hmm. Favorite to enter, favorite to watch. I think my favorite to enter Cheyenne, and my favorite to watch is Pendleton. Now, I'm sorry because I'm fixing to snowball you here, <laughs> but Salinas, you know um, – any of those rodeos where there's still a level of dif- difficulty at the score, yeah, those big arenas, the places where the cattle are, it kind of levels the playing field. Yes, sir. Um, and and I refer to it as any of those things that require you to do some cowboy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, those long scores and those tricky that tricky stuff. That's cowboy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, why do people like my dear friend Brent Lewis excel in those places? Because Brent's a cowboy, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter where you throw him at. He still understands that you've got to see the start. You've got to rope him with a long one, time with a short one, and that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. And he goes into it with that mentality. He's catching that sunbuck. He's not He's not just trying to go fast. He's trying to get him tied down. Yeah. And those are the rodeos where that surfaces to me. Um those three to start with. Now, there's many more that I'm not thinking about because you got me on the spot about yeah. it. but. Um, you know, Pecos, outstanding and rodeos. I liked San Angelo back in the day when they wrote those big calves and that and that uh, walking fresh, and you didn't know who was going to win. No, and and you know, I think that that they they killed an aspect of it. Now I get what happened. I I, I was on that committee for a while, and and of course, um, 
the the people that were considered forward thinkers and me didn't get along yeah. because I'm I'm steeped in tradition. But I think they ought to rope the big calves there, and I think that, that they ought to score them a long ways. You know, I don't like them shortening the score at Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like them limiting the entries anywhere. If you filled your permit, by God, I think you ought to be able to enter. Yeah. And I think if they don't like it tough, they need to haul enough cattle for everybody. Yeah, that's that's changed it up. Those, You know, when I was – I never went to the pro rodeos, but that was, you know, kind of the deal. A lot of the guys I knew just had their, their – you know, they, they went a little bit. They weren't mm-hmm. in the top 50 or whatever, but they could go to Fort Worth. They could go to Cheyenne. They could go enter those – those sure. big rodeos still and you know be up in the slack and i loved going and watching the slack at some of those big rodeos you know sit there in the morning time and, and watch a, a good slack it, it was something that we, as as kids we look forward to mm-hmm. how many times in your life did you get up early in the morning and come to the slack at fort worth i mean yeah. man you and you you knew half the people in the building there were old people old men in there that roped a hundred years ago mm-hmm. that hadn't seen their friends that's where they saw their friends yeah, every it was a reunion year. absolutely it was and and it 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 when they started limiting on rodeos, in my opinion, when I was rodeoing was when we had the the uh, as I was coming on the scenes when we had the retirement program. The retirement program failed because Hatchell stole all the money out of it, and so that's when I think they started trying to figure out how to get the 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 cowboys to go to the committees and say, "Look, you want the best best guys? Limit the rodeos to only those in this spot." Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, you know, and I know every week that's a little different who the best guys are. Yeah. And, you, you know, I think all those rodeos, if they want to limit the rodeo, that's fine. Have a qualifier in front of it. Pick your guys from your qualifier and go on to the rodeo. Yeah. Denver does it, you know, and I don't know what the percentage is, but there will be a percentage of guys that came out of that qualifier and placed in the rodeo. Mm-hmm. And, and I think everybody ought to have a chance. Right to work, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, this may go along with the rodeos, but what what would be – what has been or what would be your favorite vacation? Hell, I live that every day. <laughs> um, and and that part of that's true. I, I get to do it like I want to do it every day. My favorite vacation, though, uh, two things. Brent invited me to go cat hunting with him one time in, in New Mexico, and that, mm-hmm. that would be a lot of fun with him. It'd be plenty of wild. <laughs> um, I think that would be cool. Um, I would like to go back one more time um, when when Jody and I were, were early married and they weren't limiting Cheyenne and we'd go to Cheyenne and then on to Deadwood mm-hmm. and Deadwood has to fall somewhere in there and that, those favorite rodeos. Yeah. But that little circle was a lot of fun for a vacation. Um, I'm not, I've been on a cruise ship once or twice. I, I've done a show on one and I went with her once and maybe I did two shows on them. I don't remember, but uh, that's not really me. Mm-hmm. You're not a lay on the beach kind of guy. Um, I'm not a lay on the beach kind of. I'm a I'm a up under the shade drinking fruity drinks guy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I like to go deep sea fishing. Um, I like to go crappie fishing. I'm not a big hunter. I like birds. I don't like big game. Yeah. I was fortunate. Dad had all that that ranch country, and my grandfather had all that ranch country. And if we want to shoot a big deer, I mean, no big deal. Just no big there. deal. And it got to where we hated cleaning them more than we loved shooting <laughs> yeah. them, you know. And and and, and I realized there'll be people that watch it saying, "You lucky duck." Well, <laughs> yeah, it's just we were very fortunate. Um, I like to watch a good dog work, no matter where we're at. 
um duck hunting hunting behind dogs and any any whatever you're hunting is a a totally different experience hunting hunting cattle behind dogs Mm -hmm. is a lot of fun it it doesn't matter if what it is i like to see a good horse work like see a good dog work Mm -hmm. um i think my favorite vacation would be yeah make a circle go to cheyenne and sheridan burwell that bunch what what do you want it to say on your tombstone if you got to pick that out That's a good question. <laughs> Let me put it to you like this. I'm already on a tombstone, and I didn't want to be on that one. <laughs> um, for some reason, on Dad's tombstone, on the back side of it, it lists me and my brother and sisters being their children. You know, my mom's mm-hmm. was already there, and Dad's, and it just mortified the hell out of me yeah. that my name was already on a tombstone. Um, I hope that maybe something to the extent of of he did what he said he'd do. Mm-hmm. A man um, of integrity. I, I, I hope they don't go that far. It might be a, <laughs> might be a title I can't live up to, but um, I always loved, you know, the cheerful in all weathers and never shirked, never shirked a task. Yeah. That's what's on that blue horse's tombstone. That's cool. Bad, as bad of a sissy as it makes me to have a tombstone for a horse. Um, <laughs> I I hope that I get to pass from this world without a whole lot of hubbub, and that that um, I hope that that the people that show up to whatever type of deal that is, I hope they all have a big party and have a good time. Um, I don't want to. I don't want a teary eye in the place. Yeah. Um, I I did see something really really cool not too long ago. They uh, an, an old an old matriarch died in in new mexico and her instructions were y'all get together and y'all have a get together but as per my instructions what i've always told y'all cremate me put me in a bucket and hang me on a fence post and let the new mexico wind do what it's supposed to do <laughs> and I, I thought you know i i wanted to take my hat off and cheer yeah you know so i at the risk of taking 20 minutes to answer your question, I, <laughs> hell, I don't know. I, I could tell you, like my dad said, the funeral will be for the live people. Who gives a damn? I'll be dead. <laughs> you don't care. That's <laughs> what he said. <laughs> what do you, well, you know what? Well, so for some reason, we were riding across the pasture one time. I said, you know, what would you want, dad, if something, who gives a shit? I'll be dead. <laughs> He doesn't care. Uh, you you knew Harry. He he didn't pull any punches. Um, to to pick it to take it back to a lighter side. You're known for telling jokes. So do you have a a joke you can tell on here? A new joke or old joke or your favorite joke? I have a a story with a moral. And I heard this the other day. This is not my original story, but it it is something that I found really really neat, and it, it's it it is fairly comical, but not slap your knee and it's also <laughs> not so dirty your wife won't warn me out of here um little birdie sitting in a nest cold day singing his little heart out jumping around singing having a good time falls out of the nest hits on the cold ground then he goes to singing because he's cold raising all matter of hell and about that time a cow comes by and she drops cow pie right on him well for a little bit there he's warm but then he realizes that he's smelling like cow shit and he starts singing like hell for somebody to help him get out of that cow pie. Long comes a mean old coyote and pulls him out of the cow pie and eats him. Now, here's the moral of the story. 
Not everybody that throws dirt on you is trying to hurt you. And not everybody that helps you out of a bind is trying to help you. And the main thing is, when you're up to your neck and shit, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. And uh, you know, more times than not, I enjoy those more than I do the, the just the straight. The, the people tell me all the time, "Look, we'd like you to come here and do this comedy and do this, do this, and that." But now, be clean. Well, hell, lady, I, you lost me there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you got any sponsors you want to sh- uh, shout out? Oh, and, and what's your what's your social media and where to follow you and get um, a hold of you for fencing and all that kind of stuff? Chick Will Fong on Facebook. Wild West with Chick Will Fong on on Facebook, which is what's going to be my my podcast. Um, I've been looking at at doing one for a long time, and man, I I love your setup. Not to copy you, but but these guys are doing it, and this is a great setup. Mm-hmm. Um, then Chick Will Fong on YouTube, Chick Will Fong on TikTok, Chick Will Fong on Instagram, Chick Will Fong on Snapchat. Um, shoot me a message, holler at me, come see me. I'd love to come talk to your group. Love to come come see your deal do whatever mm-hmm. um you know i i really enjoy all that stuff and if i can help you with the fencing business too heck yeah i'll even trade you out of some grazing if you got it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um then what you want you, you got any sponsors you oh absolutely uh 2l custom trucks lone star ropes american hats uh pro tubs sniper services which is they do the uh Oh, like the flymisters and barns, that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Um, you know, heck, look, I got a, I've got enough of the damn things. I got to read them off. Classic truck. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Equine Exchange has been good to me. Trent Ward Saddlery. You know, mm-hmm. I saw Trent yesterday. They they've done so much for me. But um, to repeat him, um, Waylon Long there at Two L has been outstanding to us. Yeah. Um, He's got a truck of mine right now, and, and you know he does everything from just putting a single gooseneck hitch in to to totally redoing one of them and putting a holler bed on them, all that crap. It's a they've been good to us, and um, also uh, you know PF wound that that PF Wonder Sav is an outstanding deal. It's it's actually a, a, a aunt by marriage um, that does that stuff. She's they've divorced now, but she's still good to me with that stuff. Um, you know, I, I can't thank any of those people enough. Right. And and I get to I get to talk to people that that want to do more sponsorships. Again, uh, you can reach me on any of those social media spots. You can reach me at www.chickwilfong.com or on the company side, tpostdriver at yahoo.com. Uh, if you want to talk about sponsorships, you want to talk about getting your name out there, we we certainly will sit down and try to come up with a. Uh, a deal that'll help you and help us. I try to really, really stress that if we're not building a partnership together, if I'm not providing you a service and you're not providing me payment for that service or services for it, then we're not doing each other any good. Yeah. Got to be mutual. Got to be mutual. I And, I, you know, that also goes, I, I know we're getting over time, but that, that also goes to the guys that, are in our industry that are trying to build the, you know, they want to get to where you're at, where Buster's at, where Waylon's at, where, you know, that, that, that fame, you know, there's a lot of things that come with it, you know, Brook and Rody Wilson, everybody knows who they are. They know their horses are good horses. They know they're going to be at every good big sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but anybody that's trying to do that, that's looking for sponsors, plumb down to, you, you, I know you've seen it, the high school kids and college kids now, they're all after them. 
look a person in the eye, shake their hand, ask them what you can do for them to gain their patch on their right. shirt. That's how you go about that. Mm-hmm. And if I could leave you with with anything, it would be that that this too shall pass. Take every day on as in, you know, like it was your first one. Mm-hmm. It's worked for us, and and put your faith in God. He ain't never let me down. That's good to end on. Y'all go follow Chick. Uh, holler at him. You need any fencing? If you interested in sponsor him, uh, speaking, anything like that, y'all holler at him. Uh, you can follow me at Crockett Crothers and at the Real Crockett Crothers on on Insta and and uh, TikTok. And um, you can search hashtag The Wealthy Cowboy and see all that good stuff. And thanks for thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. All right, sounds good.